It is a Thursday, July 8th. How are you doing? It's very warm. It's very warm in the northwest in Salford. Did you have a good night last night? If you're in Blighty, that is. Congratulations to England and England's fans. Welcome to uh, Thursday's Richie Allen Radio Show live from Super Salford. It's the BBG, not the BBC. You're listening to the Richie Allen Radio Show live from Salford in Greater Manchester. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yes, I swallowed some agua sin gas there and it went down the wrong hole. How are you doing? You well? Hungover maybe, maybe not. Maybe you don't care about the foosball. Anywho, a lot of happy faces around Salford today. I'll be joined a bit later on in the programme by Dr. Jessie Keener from Texas. She's a naturopathic physician, nearly 40 years experience, has had clinical practices in Texas and Florida. Lovely lady, very interesting. You don't want to miss her. She'll be with me shortly after six o'clock. That's UK time. All righty. Uh, she's done a lot of television, has Jessie, and workshops around the United States as well. That's right. I'm available to you on Twitter, BBG Richie, and you can drop me a note through my website, richieallen.co.uk, if you so choose. If you don't like the old Twitter there, I don't mind. You can reach me either of those ways during the programme. Ah, lovely stuff. Yeah, warm. It's damn warm today. And I don't know whether you believe that the Express, because the the Daily Express is the weather, is the, the weather newspaper of record, isn't it? It just does weather stories, as does the Daily Mail now. They're saying we're in for two weeks of really hot weather coming from Central Europe. High pressure on the way, are we? That'd be nice if you were off and you could enjoy it. It's not so nice when you're not off. You can't enjoy it so much. Anyway, England versus Italy this coming Sunday at 8pm should be fun. There was even talk today of a bank holiday if uh, England should win, uh, various presenters, various presenters, excuse me, various politicians pressed on this. What do you think there, Chancellor? What do you think there, Minister? Can we have a day off, can we? What is it with people begging these idiots? If England win on Sunday and you're delighted, you do whatever you want on Monday. I wouldn't fire you. I wouldn't, but then I'm not like everybody else, I suppose. Bit mad today. Let me ask you this, gentlemen, and it's for the gentlemen only. Do you have an unusually underperforming undercarriage, by any chance? An unusually underperforming undercarriage. Your, how do I say, how, how do I say it? Your lad just won't stand to attention. Your swordfish has shrunk down to a periwinkle. You just can't seem to get it up for love. Tiny tallywhacker. All right, I'll give over. I'll give over. If you have any of those, if you have erectile dysfunction, you might, you might have had COVID-19 and you might not realise it. Or maybe you do know you had COVID-19, if it exists, and, but you, you're, you're just not adding two and two and getting four. Because doctors have been claiming today that COVID-19 might lead to erectile dysfunction in some blokes. Why? Well, one of the claims they have made about COVID way back, 
and I don't believe it, is that COVID damages blood vessels elsewhere in the body. Now, I can understand why a physician might make a claim that that a respiratory infection might cause damage to blood vessels in the chest and in the lungs because you're coughing and spluttering. But they claim that it can do damage to blood vessels everywhere. And they're saying that it might do damage to blood vessels in your penile area. <laughs> right? And that it's possible that the infection could inflame the small and narrow arteries that supply the genitalia. And that could result in impotence for some blokes. The Mail Online went big on this today. <laughs> big. Dozens of reports apparently of infected men suffering from impotence have surfaced since the start of the pandemic. And they quoted this absolute witch doctor called Dr. Ryan Berglund, who's a urologist at the Cleveland Clinic. Now, I don't have enough money to have a urologist. It's only wealthy men that have a urologist in their Rolodex, in their, in their phones. I don't have one. I haven't made it yet to have a urologist. But anyway, Ryan Berglund, I'd like to be wealthy enough to have a urologist. It'd be fun, wouldn't it? Just to keep him busy, just piss into a cup two or three times a month and send it over to him. How am I getting on there, Ryan? Am I all right? You're still drinking too much, dipstick. All right, fair enough. Yeah, Ryan Berglund, he, he said, look, inflammation of the heart muscle is caused by COVID. It's plausible that it could cause the old erectile dysfunction. But then he went on to say that the evidence for this is primarily anecdotal, which is a one way of saying that it's bull spit. It's bollocks, basically. No pun intended. It's funny to me because I've been writing about this since last year. We can now add erectile dysfunction to, apparently, among the things that coronavirus causes, vertigo, tinnitus or tinnitus, depending on where you are, depression, stroke, dementia, hearing voices. Do you remember that woman in Spain who whipped off all of her clothes and ran around in her birthday suit, remember? And when she was asked why... She said, um, I can't do a French accent and I can't speak French. She said she was hearing voices. So they gave her a PCR test and it came back positive. So they added running around in your birthday suit like a mad woman and hearing voices to the many ailments that is caused or are caused even by COVID. Not to mention stuttering, the hiccups, memory loss, sore toe, piles, hemorrhoids, hemorrhoids, as sight loss and psychosis. So you can add erectile dysfunction to the list. But these days, these days, thank heavens for Betsy. Thank heavens to Betsy. Or heavens to Betsy. Heavens to Murgatroyd. These days there's always Viagra, which I have I've had no experience of personally. I'm going to leave that one uh, there. But if you are suffering from it, I believe that Viagra these days, you don't need to even have a prescription. I believe you can buy it over the counter. You seem to know a lot about it, Baldy. I, I did my research. Yeah, a parrot swallowed a Viagra tablet in Salford last week. His owner was disgusted with the bird and stuck him in the freezer to cool off. So later on, he opened the freezer and he found the parrot sweating. How come you're sweating, he said to the parrot. And the parrot said, do you know how hard it is to open the legs of a frozen chicken? I'm here all week. All week long, I'm here. I'm here. 
A guy's in hospital with 60% burns. The doctor says to the nurse, give him two Viagra. The nurse says, do you think that will help with the burns? And the doctor says, no, but it will keep the sheets off of his blooming legs, won't it, at the end of the day? What kind of fuckery is this? That's the standard. That is the standard. (laughs) Right, let's move on to something a bit more serious. It's eight minutes past five, by the way. Now... A letter was published in the Lancet Journal, the esteemed Lancet Journal, allegedly, and it was signed by more than 100 witch doctors who call themselves scientists. But they're witch doctors, we know this. And they've condemned the government's plan to lift all restrictions Monday week, so July 19th. Don't do it, they said to Boris Johnson. It's unethical and it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Don't do it. It's unethical. Won't somebody please think of the children? So they want uh, Johnson to reconsider. They're claiming that the rise in COVID-19 cases, driven by the emergence of the so-called Delta variant, will, according to the witch doctors, it will likely continue until millions more are infected, leaving hundreds of thousands with long-term illness and disability. This strategy of Johnson's risks creating a generation left with chronic health problems and disability the personal and economic impacts of which might be felt for decades to come. There you are. That's what they're saying, these, 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 these scientists, allegedly. That is, don't open up now. Keep everything closed down. Don't let the nightclubs reopen because millions of people will get more infected. Uh, inf- millions more will become infected. And uh, millions will, well, many will die. Crazy stuff. This is all over the news today. Johnson hasn't responded to this, but don't forget a final decision on July 19th will be uh, will be made this coming Monday. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of witch doctors, let's hear from one. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. Ooh, ee. Right, let's uh, hear from a witch doctor. Rachel Clark is her name. She's a palliative care doctor. She was on Good Morning Britain this morning, and old Rachel doesn't want us to open up at all. I'm the same as everybody in one sense. I am desperate for this to be over. I want life to go back to normal. We all do. But the trouble is, no matter how much we wish for that, we can't just make COVID go away. And at the moment, we're 10 days away from the government lifting all restrictions and literally allowing COVID to run rampant through society. No masks, no social distancing, no restrictions on the numbers who are gathering. And the thing I'm most worried about is already cases are like that. Mm. They're just hurtling skyward. Doubling every nine days. Absolutely. And, And hospitals at the moment are already receiving influxes of COVID patients now. So the numbers in hospital went up by nearly 40% in the last week. And the trouble is, every single patient with COVID that we're treating in hospital is another patient without COVID that we're not able to treat. Mm. Mm. And I want you to keep that in mind, okay? The cases go up, people go into hospital. And when those COVID people go into hospital, it means that we're not able to treat other ailments or diseases. 
Of course, the presenter's job is to ask, why would you prioritise someone with one illness over another? But they never ask that question because they're not very good at doing their jobs. But I'm asking you to keep it in mind because we will come back to it. More from the witch doctor, Rachel Clark, now then. And that's the real concern. So yesterday, for instance, Leeds Royal Infirmary had to cancel some of their major cancer operations. So these are people facing life and death surgeries. They're being delayed because there were no intensive care beds, because they were filled up with COVID patients. What does your letter to the government say? I know you've joined with scientists and other medics. And what is it you want them to do? Is it you just want them to slow down or do you want them actually to make bigger change? So Amazingly, that is Alastair Campbell, murderer scumbag lower than a snake's belly returning for another stint on Good Morning Britain as a co-presenter asking the question so what is it that the doctors want them to do? So, so it's a few things so first and foremost slow down there, there is no reason why the 19th of July is a magic day that's just arbitrary it's been plucked out of the sky it's not based on the science at all mm. it's down to the fact that businesses are about on their last litre of oxygen maybe not even a litre of oxygen they're about to go bust terminally and the implications for the economy, but also for the health service of millions of people losing their jobs and livelihoods, well, those are unimaginable. So we, we, we need to stop all of this silliness immediately. Is what one of the pre presenters should have said but didn't. All. Slow down. Wait until a higher proportion of the population Wait. are properly vaccinated. So wow. Wait until a, a higher proportion of the population is properly vaccinated. 65% of adults in the UK, sadly, woefully, have had two doses of one jab or another. 65%. Again, the presenter could jump in at any time and point this out, but they're all on the same team, you see. So at the moment, 50% of the population has had two vaccinations. 65. She lied through her teeth. Uh, well, no, no, she didn't. 65% of all adults, of course, of course, um, there are children who haven't been vaccinated. She's getting to the crux of it now, you see. Half of us, only half. Yeah, they want to vaccinate children. They don't care so much about older people. They do. They want rid of older people. Of course they do. But their priority is to get the jabs, the poison, into the children. So we're back to this again. The jab, the jab, the jab, the jab, the jab. That's what it's all about. Delay, delay, delay. Do not take restrictions off. Make, make it even more excruciating for people. Make their lives unbearable, miserable, intolerable. Until you break them down so that they offer up their children. We've had the jabs. I haven't now. Of course I haven't. But, but, but parents will say, we've had the jabs. We've had two. Our, our, our own parents have had the jabs. What more do we need to do? Okay, here's our children then. That's what it's all about. I said in an article on richieallen.co.uk today, the, U, the hospitals in this country are lying largely empty. 65% of adults have been jabbed. If you believe the jab is any good, and of course we know it isn't, but let's pretend for a minute it is any good, right? It isn't, but let's pretend. All of the so-called vulnerable have been given protection to the max. So let's get back to 
pre-COVID then. Let's get on with our lives. No, you can't. There's all these scary variants around the corner. And of course, no variant in history. A variant is a mutation of a virus, of an infection. In, there isn't an example in history where a mutation is stronger than the original infection. They know this. It's all about getting the kiddies jabbed. That's where it's all going. It's 16 minutes past the hour. Before I um, move on, let me read some comments because there are lots of them. Hi to Lizzie. Richie, you keep me sane in an insane world sometimes, fella. Lizzie, you've, you've got problems if I'm the one keeping you insane. It's like the lunatics running the asylum, Lizzie. I'm not, I'm not the May West at the best of times myself. Uh, my pal Ruth is listening in in Brisbane. How you doing, Ruth? Hope all is well with you there, as well as can be expected, I suppose. Good evening to Gail. Good evening to Patricia Brightman, to Camilla Rose. Camilla asks me, is it true the International Transgender Association is voting Richie Allen 2021 Queen of the Year? First I've heard of it, Camilla, but listen... I'll take anything, you know. I'll take anything I can get. Awards are good, no matter where they come from. Uh, Doris says, Richie, they are messing with the weather. 14 degrees here in Toronto. Unheard of in July. Pissing it down too, says Dora. And it has been for a few days. Heat waves 40 plus in British Columbia. Their summit up, love, says Dora, who was on one of the phone-in programmes earlier this year and was very good as well. Hi to Mark. How you doing, Mark? Let me scroll up there. BBG Richie, by the way. BBG Richie. Root says it's the vaccine that will cause problems with the old tallywhacker and cause women's fertility problems too, not coronavirus. Hi to Moinga, to John Pierce. John says, I thought you were going to say the parrot went stiff in the freezer. James says, low standard jokes, those, Richie. You make a much better radio show presenter than a comedian. I've never claimed to be a comedian, James. Thanks for your interest. Thank you very much. Hi to Vic. Hi to Dean. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Not heard that for ages, Richie. Neither have I. Uh, that was a blast from the past. Andy says, COVID disappears when you switch off the news. Gail says, I would rather live fully for a week than live in lockdowns for 20 years. I agree with that. Carol tweets, why are the football and tennis fans allowed to sit close to one another and not wear masks? Search me, Carol. They're pilot events, according to the government. They're testing everybody on the way in. Hi to William McGregor. How you doing, William? Hi to Faisal. La Angela Lambert says, I got my vaccine control group card today. Angela, what does that mean, your vaccine control group card? Fill us in there, if you don't mind. Hi to Paul. And that's all of the tweets so far. 18 minutes past the air. Shall I take a tune because it's so warm outside? I know, what's that got to do with it? What's one got to do with the other? I don't know. But I'm taking a tune. And then I'm coming back with plenty more news. You are with the Richie Allen Radio Show, live from Salford, in the northwest of the UK. Richie Allen Show Towers, me, the BBG. This is Ryan Paris. Ryan Paris. And a little bit later on in the programme, and you won't want to miss her, I'll be joined by none other than Dr. Jessie Keener. She's very good. Ryan Paris and uh, Dolce Vita on the Richie Allen radio show, 22 minutes past five. The water I'm drinking is repeating on me, and it is water, it isn't neat Bacardi. I don't know what's going on there, it's going down the wrong hole. Could be swallowing too quickly, that could be it. <laughs> ah, don't you love the double entendres, don't you? 
maybe you don't. Ryan Parr is there. Right, let's to the emails. To the emails. Hi to Mike, who says, Richie, greetings from County Down. I only use Viagra to stop myself from rolling out of bed. Bum, bum, bum. I like that. I like that. And hi to Francis McMorrow. Francis, thank you for the lovely kind words. Let me confirm to you and to everybody else. Mark Boyerski was on the programme on Tuesday. He's an amazing bloke. Fantastic. Could listen to him all day. Great pal. Selfless. Can't say enough about him. And at the end of the programme, he said, I've got this beautiful Maldivite crystal. It's wonderful. It is, by the way, beautiful. Anybody who sends Richie uh, or sends or supports the programme by sending £5 to it or €5 between now and next week, we'll go into a draw for the crystal. Yes, Francis, you are in the draw and everybody who has taken part thus far and who will take part will be in the draw. Trust me, I'm not a doctor. All fair and above board. Thank you so much again to Mark Bayerski. Do check him out at markbayerski.com. Lovely gentleman. Watch him on YouTube if you get the chance as well. Lovely stuff. Hi to Richard Kelly who says, Long lad COVID. Yes, I see what you did there, Richard. Marvellous. Right, millions of people are deleting the NHS app from their phones. It took them long enough, didn't it? The blooming Egypt's. Because it's ruining their lives. Do you know what this is all about, do you? If you're overseas, do you understand? Way back when, they said to people, why don't you download an app to your phones so that we know where you are all the time? And one one day when you least suspect it, we will ping you. Ping! We will ping you and tell you that you came into contact with somebody who tested positive for COVID. Go home and isolate for two weeks. And morons did. Morons did. And they were getting, well, messed right up. Joan Collins wrote in the Mail Online about this. The actress, Joan Collins, the legendary actress, Joan Collins. The harassment. So if you have this ridiculous app on your phone, first of all, you're in Egypt. Second of all, they will ping you and tell you you must stay at home. And they will harass you for the duration of your isolation. They also have the power to arrest you or pass on information to the local police that you're not complying with the order to isolate. Yes. Anyway, millions wised up in terms of, well, I'm not sick, so why should I do it? And deleted their apps. And apparently conservative MPs, backbenchers, some of them are deleting this blooming app as well because it's mad. But NHS workers, nurses and doctors and consultants, well, they can't really delete it. And there are thousands isolating for no reason. Healthy medics. Fine and dandy. But they're off work, which is causing a problem. A big problem. The Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, addressed this today, speaking to Sky. I've spoken to the Health Secretary about this, and he's aware of the frustrations that people have around this. And, and what, you know, what I'd say is that we have two different systems for the test and trace. We have, obviously, the NHS one, and then we also have the app. And I know most people's concerns rest with how the app is working, and the Health Secretary is aware of that. Uh, that, it, that app accounts for the majority of people who need to isolate, I understand, on the number. And he's looking at what the most appropriate, balanced and proportionate approach to isolation is in these circumstances. Yeah. It's pretty, the, the answer is very simple. They will offer another carrot to the double jabbed. 
Simple as that. If you get double jabbed, you will not have to isolate if you get pinged. We'll continue to ping you to tell you that you bumped into somebody with COVID or who tested positive for COVID, but you won't need to isolate. It's all about carrot and stick, isn't it? Carrot and stick. Now, Sarah Jane Me, Sky News presenter, had NHS Providers Chief Executive Chris Hobson on her programme this afternoon. They rambled on for eight minutes about Sodol. Then at the end, me, the woman, the presenter, had an interesting question for him, Chris Hobson, NHS Providers. Well, it wasn't a question, really. You see, most people are wising up to the lies that we are being told about Delta variants. They've lied and lied and lied and said cases are on the rise. Delta variant this and Delta variant that. They're liars. And they've said that hospitals are coming under increasing pressure. They're lying. The public is wising up to it. And that won't do. Listen to what the presenter says to this guy, uh, Chris Hopkins from NHS, excuse me, Chris Hobson from NHS Providers. Listen to what she says. It's very important. It here today on Sky News. And just finally, before we go, dispel the myth that because the link between being infected with coronavirus and hospitalizations has been weakened, not broken, it doesn't mean that hospitals aren't busy. You're now dealing, as we said, with this backlog. People now feeling confident enough to come into hospitals for other ailments. Mm. Wow. Dispel the myth that hospitals are not really under pressure. I, I do spend quite a bit of time breaking down media techniques because I think it's useful for people who are new to the programme. Her job is to determine whether or not we are being lied to about the pressure that hospitals are under. And we are being lied to. And I'll explain it in a minute, exactly how we are being lied to, because it isn't, it isn't so straightforward. So she's supposed to say to him, uh, Mr. Hobson, Chief Executive of NHS Providers, a lot of our listeners don't believe that the hospitals are as busy with COVID patients as you are telling them. Um, where's the proof? Give us some numbers. Exactly how many people are in hospital now with serious COVID symptoms? But she says to him, dispel the myth that hospitals are under pressure. Do you understand why I keep coming back to this? That because the link between... Let's, let's just bring it back just a little bit more. Just finally, before we go, dispel the myth that because the link between being infected with coronavirus and hospitalizations has been weakened, not broken. It doesn't mean that hospitals aren't busy. You're now dealing, as we said, with... Yeah, yeah, right? Astonishing. So his answer, now pay attention, really, pay real close attention to the answer he gives her. Yeah, so great question. So um, much of the conversation over the last week... Has there was no question in there. She made a statement. ...being rightly that the numbers of COVID-19 patients that will come into hospital as community infection rates rise, it will be a lot lower than it was in the previous um, phases, the previous waves of COVID. So there's a sort of implication that all will be well and the NHS won't be under pressure. But if you just take one bit of the 
uh, sort of demand and capacity equation that hospitals deal with and just say, just look at that one bit. You're missing the whole picture. And the whole picture is full pelt on backlogs, very busy urgent and emergency care, uh, reduced capacity because of lost beds due to infection control, staff isolating. And my word picture for you is... Before we hear the word picture, let's hear those again. One by one. And it's important that we all pay attention to what he says. This won't be under pressure. But if you just take one bit of the uh, sort of demand and capacity equation that hospitals deal with and just say, just look at that one bit, you're missing the whole picture. And the whole picture is full pelt on backlogs. Full pelt on backlogs. He is saying that right now they are dealing with the backlog of treatments that were suspended because of coronavirus. People with cancers and chronic illnesses, orthopaedics, everything. So we're dealing with the backlogs right now, he's saying, right? Okay. Very busy urgent and emergency care. Very busy urgent and emergency care. That could mean anything. He probably thinks it's coronavirus. Could be anything. Could be... It could be an unusual upturn in the numbers of people visiting accident and emergency, right? Care, uh, reduced capacity because of lost beds due to infection control. Fantastic. Reduced capacity due to lost beds due to infection control. Reduced capacity. We don't have very many beds because we took out lots and lots and lots of beds for social distancing reasons when this scam began last year. So we don't have the beds anyway. We're trying to deal with all of this backlog, right? All these people we didn't treat that we left basically to die when we were treating nothing but COVID. And he goes on. Staff isolating. Staff isolating, which you just talked about, which is staff getting a message from the NHS app to tell them that they bumped into a positive COVID person and they should stay at home even though they are perfectly healthy. Hardly any, not not hardly any beds, but far, far fewer beds than ever. Massive staff shortage, right? You see where this is going, right? And my word picture for you... My word picture. If you've got a river that's really very full already and the ground is sodden, it doesn't take a lot of extra rain for the river to overflow. Yeah, but, but the rain is you. You've caused the rain. You have. You decided to prioritise coronavirus and nothing else. You did. You decided to reduce the amount of beds on hospital wards because it was for, for social distancing reasons. You, you dipstick, you and your NHS bosses, you decided to ask the nation to download an app so that when they got a ping on their phone, even though they were totally healthy not sneezing, no temperature, that they would stay at home. So it's your fault that you've got a staff shortage now. All of this is your fault. You're the rain. She should be saying this to him. This is Journalism 101. It's so easy. Paul Ripley said to me, Fab Radio 2, one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet, he said, Richie, teach journalism again. No. What's the point? (laughs) Because none of you are going to get on the television or on the radio. This is basic stuff. He's the rain. Him and his mates at the top of the NHS pyramid. Wrecking the NHS. And he's crying about it. And this is all leading now to him saying that we really shouldn't reduce restrictions because we're overwhelming the NHS. But you're overwhelming it. And here's something else you don't know. In the last 30 years, bed capacity has been reduced by 50% across the United Kingdom. 
at a time when the population of the country has been growing exponentially. In the last 10 years, the country has grown year on year by a population the size of the city of Cardiff. Think about it. The country has grown in number by a couple of hundred thousand or more people a year, far more. You're reducing bed capacity and staff. This is long before the COVID scam. This has all been planned. None of this is just bad management. It's what they want you to think. It's just bad management. We just made a few mistakes. No, this is all leading up to this. Have the beds over 30 years. Less staff. Go back to last year before the scam. Johnson, when he was when he was running, when he was running to um, be be re-elected prime minister after he'd been um, after he'd won the Tory leadership contest, Johnson before COVID was talking about putting more NHSs. Jesus, Richie Johnson was talking about putting more nurses in the NHS because of the shortage of them. This was pre-COVID. Perfect storm this is. Perfect storm. And the presenter should be pulling this apart piece by piece with this guy and blaming him and say, stop talking about rain. Don't be giving me these analogies now about rivers overflowing and sodden uh, riverbanks, sodden riverbanks that are going to be overwhelmed by water. You're the water dipstick. You are. But no. So the point here is that because we're so busy and we've got capacity problems in terms of beds and staff. But made by you. (laughs) Not by you specifically, not by you, Chris Hobson, but by your mates. You're the reason you've got no staff. You're because they're all isolating and because you allowed the staff numbers dwindle over the years anyway. And you've got no beds. Well, that's your fault as well. Right. It's not going to take very many cases, uh, extra COVID cases, before hospitals are going to have to, something has to give. And the point we've been making today is that, uh, unfortunately, um, the, the one bit that hospitals can control... Wait for this. Control, ...essentially is the speed with which we get through those care backlogs. So if, if we do see rising number of COVID cases, and this is already happening in some places, we will have to dial back on the speed of that backlog recovery. Oh my God. And you would imagine at this stage that she jumps in, even somebody who's never, even a, a person who has no inkling as to how the media works or what journalism is, you would imagine at this stage that she would jump in and go, hang on a second now, why the priority for coronavirus? What do you mean you're going to stop treating cancer patients again? and chronically ill people again. What do you mean you're going to have to dial back on that if COVID cases keep going? But she just stands there like a mannequin. The bit that hospitals can control essentially is the speed with which we get through those care backlogs. So if, if we do see rising number of COVID cases, and this is already happening in some places, we will have to dial back on the speed of that backlog recovery. So... The thing I want to reassure you and um, your viewers about is that this is this is the kind of classic dilemma that um, trust chief execs have every day of the week. And this guy is sick, isn't he? He's he's sick. This guy. It's their job to provide the best quality care to as many people as possible. But we just no, no, it isn't. It's their job to prioritise a respiratory illness that doesn't affect the vast majority of people in the country, at the expense of everything else, leaving people to die leaving people waiting for treatment for 12, 14, 16 months. 
leaving children languishing in their homes while their mental health is deteriorating. That's what you're doing. And again, nothing from the presenter, nothing. But we just want everybody to be aware of the pressures that the NHS is under at the moment and the fact that just because we'll see those lower number of COVID-19 cases, it doesn't mean uh, that uh, all will be well. We still will be under significant amounts of pressure. I swear to God, this is her next comment, summing up. Chris, really good to talk to you this afternoon. Chris, Chris Hopson, Chief Executive of NHS Providers there, with a brilliant word picture to illustrate your point. We love words and pictures here on Sky News. It's the business we're in. Thank you. Uh, you're watching the Sarah Jane Mee Show here on Sky News. Coming up, England through to the final of the Euros. But, of course, the big question. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You're brilliant, Chris. Thanks for words and pictures. We love words and pictures at Sky News. You're amazing. See you next time. Job done. I'm going to very quickly sum that up, right? Because it's very important. The threat there will dial back on other care if infections do not stop. Don't relax restrictions. Keep them, is what he is advocating. Get everybody double jabbed or more cases will, will overwhelm the NHS, will, will stop treating the really ill. So there's the perfect storm. In the last 30 years, NHS hospital beds have halved. Look it up. Just look it up, if you don't believe me. Imagine growing population and you have the beds over 30 years. So now when they launched the scam last year, they took out more beds, reducing capacity further still uh, for social distancing, which is insane. They've always had a staff shortage anyway. Now staff are being told to stay home at the rate of, well, thousands of staff because they might have bumped into a COVID case. It is mental. And she sums it up. She might as well stick her tongue up his back. In fact, she stuck her tongue so far up his arse, she ended up licking his dentures rather than challenge the, the, the bollocks. Perfect storm. Yeah, it's, it's you, mate. It's you and your pals. That's the reason. And then she goes on to do the football. Don't ask him why you're prioritising COVID over anything else. Don't. Why is somebody with a COVID problem more of a priority than a bloke who's dealing with stage four cancer? But they're never going to tell you because the presenters are never going to do their jobs. And that's the problem we have at 19 minutes to 6 o'clock. The Richie Allen Radio Show is live. It's always live. It's live. From sunny Salford here in the northwest, the BBG. This is the stunning... Half past two and and music from the stunning there and uh, half past two it's exactly 16 minutes well it's 15 minutes to it's the top of the hour then don't forget Dr. Jesse Keener from Texas will join me in the second hour of the programme I'm looking forward to meeting her chatted with her over over messenger singing me jig but a very very capable very very interesting lady so she'll be with me a little bit later on okay now 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 then Jesus, don't say that. Don't say that, whatever you do. Um, back to the 100 scientists who wrote in The Lancet demanding that restrictions not be lifted on July 19th. Uh, Julia Hartley Brewer, talk radio presenter, had Hugh Pennington on. He is an emeritus professor of bacteriology. He's got an ology, apparently. It's an experiment, says Hugh, lifting these restrictions all at once. Well, it's a bit of an experiment. Here he is. Well, it's certainly an experiment. 
and, and across the debate really is how potentially dangerous it can be because nobody knows really what's going to happen. We, we're going to try and see. And other countries are, are saying, oh, well, it'd be very interesting to see what happens with the UK because they, they're trying this experiment, uh, relaxing the regulations. We know the regulations work. They've worked in the past. You know, we've got cases down. They're relaxing the regulations. The virus is still around. Let's see what happens. And particularly, we're in a novel situation because of the strength of the vaccination campaign. And you know, that is nearly drawing to a close in the sense of having caught nearly all the people who are at risk. Not everybody, but nearly all the people who are at risk. And so let's move on, see what happens. And clearly, there is room for change and there's room uh, for having local controls being brought in if there's a local big outbreak and so on. Um, you don't want to talk about that because... Well, that, no, but that... they, 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 people need to. And again, that's why a lot of people are you know, excited about what was we heard from the Prime Minister on Monday, but also very wary of what happens in not just coming weeks, but coming months. Um, but I, what I find fascinating is giving people back the freedoms, which, frankly, the government should have had no right to take in the first place, telling people to stay in their homes, uh, shutting down businesses, telling them how many people, they, how many people they can have in their home, not allowing people to take their own decisions about their own, not only what their relative risk was from COVID, their relative risk of the people around them and indeed um, you know, what they're willing to tolerate to have the life they want. Uh, but surely the dangerous and unethical experiment isn't giving people their freedoms back. It's taking them away without any cost-benefit analysis in the first place. We knew really early on, uh, you know, by April, May last year, that there was a huge cost to lockdown in terms of people not coming forward for cancer treatment and the like, and in terms of people being locked in their homes, businesses under. That toll has carried on throughout. The damage to our children, to our businesses, the economy. Uh, you know, no country's ever improved the health of its nation by getting poorer. That's exactly what we've had a deliberate policy to do in the last year. Um, Shouldn't that be the experiment that, that should, should be regarded by scientists as dangerous and unethical without any evidential basis to it? Hugh? Yes, I think so. It's a question of doing a risk, risk, risk analysis, risk assessment, and, and saying, yes, I mean, the population is at risk from cancer, from heart disease, and all the other things that uh, are, are not being handled as well as they might because of COVID. And... And then you balance that against the harm that COVID is doing. Well, we've knocked the COVID on the head by the vaccination program. Not completely. We haven't killed it off, but we've reduced it very substantially. So I think it is time to move ahead and say, right, let us relax the uh, regulations which are causing all this collateral damage, as it were, uh, and see what happens. And we can still respond to it. And this virus works on a local basis. It's looked at, you know, talking about waves, I think is a bit misleading. You know, there are some parts of the country that have managed to escape, not unscathed, but pretty well compared to others. And clearly what we have to make sure is we have a system for coping with uh, any local outbreaks that happen. Um, and nobody seems to talk about that very much, but that's how the way we deal with food poisoning, for example. You know, we don't put the whole country into a kind of massive... Yes. We have sound rules to protect the public, but we don't actually overreact, or we shouldn't. We don't yeah. overreact. Well, that, that sounds less... That sounds... That doesn't sound as unpalatable as national lockdowns. What he suggested, he said, let's put it on local authorities. Sounds good, not to me, not to you, but it sounds good maybe to Julia Hartley Brewer's listenership, right? But that's ultimately where it's meant to go. It's meant to be put on local authority and ultimately the private sector. 
to drive restrictions and even to drive local lockdowns. So it might sound good. Ah, yeah, well, if it goes to local lockdowns, well, er, we'll be okay down here. We'll be okay down south. But up, but up north, uh, no, eventually you'll always be in a lockdown at one time or another. So this guy Pennington sounds reasonable, this bacteriologist. But he's another idiot, basically. Another useful idiot for the system. And Brewer can't seem to understand that. Again, she should stop him and say, well, listen, no, forget about local lockdowns. There's no need for lockdowns, Hugh. Get lockdowns out of your bloody head. But she doesn't, she... She just doesn't. Well, and again, and we, we don't we don't have the hysteria, and we do for some reason in every other walk of life, whether it's people driving at a certain speed limit on the roads uh, or whether it is flu, we seem to accept that there is a risk of death and that people must make their own decisions. And I'd say she's great crack when she's pissed, Julia Hartley Brewer. I'll never know, though. Ten minutes to the top of the hour. Thanks for your tweets, by the way. Faisal says the restrictions have well-known established effects, but the lack of restrictions is experimental... Question mark. It's exactly what he was saying there. And then, and then you know, pushing for local measures rather than national, which is the same thing or worse anyway. There you go. BBG Richie on Twitter, if you'd like to say anything about any of the things we're discussing this evening. All righty, all righty. Let's scroll, as I said, down because there's lots and lots of comments. Charlie says the Nightingale hospitals will save us. Do you remember last year at the outset of this garbage? Do you remember the building, the construction of the Nightingale hospitals? Now, when I say construction, they took existing buildings and kitted them out, kitted them out with medical stuff and beds and they didn't do anything because they weren't needed. This is the essence of the lie that we've been told over 15 months. Even when they said COVID was raging. Even with less beds in the hospitals. The hospitals were fine last year. It's a gargantuan lie. Marco says, Richie, spot on in 1949, when the NHS was set up, they had about 450,000 beds. Now it's about 160,000, with a population growth in that time of nearly 20 million. There is a, a show or, or a documentary called The Great NHS Heist on YouTube by Dr. Bob Gill. I'm aware of that, Marco, and it's, uh, it's very well put together. That's right. That's what they've done. They've reduced capacity over the decades while population growth was, was basically exponential. <laughs> and it was deliberate. It's not a mistake, you know. You can't chalk that one down to a mistake. Are we reducing beds, are we? We are. Population is growing, is it? Yeah. You don't make a mistake like that. It's deliberate. And it was done for many reasons. One of them was, of course, to privatise the NHS. Of course. Lots of, lots of reasons. And now we're seeing a very big reason. It's a cull, what is happening here. How many people have died in the last 14 months because they couldn't get cancer treatment? How many people died because they eventually ended their own lives? How many people died of other illnesses? Strokes, heart attacks. That could have been dealt with fairly quickly. I don't know what the number is, but I'm guessing it's way more than the bullshit number of COVID deaths because they tell us 130,000 people died of COVID. We know that's nonsense. We know it's nonsense. That isn't my opinion. That is nonsense. 
How do you list a COVID death? Well, anybody who dies within 28 days of testing positive for COVID. <laughs> Massive heart attack because he couldn't get a screen. He couldn't, he couldn't have a scan on his heart. Massive heart attack. Dies of a heart attack, but he three weeks ago he tested positive for COVID. He's listed as having died of COVID. This is the easiest conspiracy, I think, in my independent media career, the easiest one to pull apart. It's such a lie. It's so easy. It's so simple. Probably, maybe, that's the thing that is most distracting for the perplexed. You know, it's the most distracting thing for those who kind of understand what's going on. It's so easy to dismantle this story. But what are you going to do? Just keep talking about it, I suppose, until we just end up, I don't know. I, I, have, a, I, I have a premonition. I have, I've had a premonition of dying on air, doing this. Just just dying, just, just expiring. Because it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, right, okay. Right, let's, uh, it's five to six. There's another story I found interesting. It isn't COVID-related, thank God. Maybe it is, I don't know. It is kind of, actually, but... It's, uh, it's more to do with education. Fox News presenter Tucker Carlson wants cameras in the classrooms in his country, in America. Uh, the Fox News host is worried about the madness that uh, children are being subjected to. The ideas, the theories that children are being exposed to that they shouldn't be. So he thinks cameras in the classroom might be a solution, Tucker Carlson. We're educating our children to become adults and run the country that they're inheriting. So why don't we know what's happening in the classrooms? Why don't we have cameras in every classroom? Again, it's obvious we have cameras monitoring Congress, city council meetings. Our police officers are required to wear cameras. What's the argument against that? So why shouldn't we have cameras in the classroom? And now more than ever, it used to be we just trusted what they were teaching our kids. Now we know a lot of them are demented and they're teaching poison. The biggest teachers union in the country just came out in support of racist struggle session in kindergarten. Meanwhile, the video we do have is not reassuring at all. Over the past year, you've seen all kinds of cell phone footage with teachers saying shocking things, berating vaccinated students, for example, for not wearing their obedience masks. Watch. I don't care if you're vaccinated, you little dick. Okay. I don't want to get sick and die. Okay. There's uh, other people you can infect just because you're vaccinated. You know what? You're not a special person around here. You should hear about how everybody talks about you. You're I know a how jerk. Talk to me. I don't care how people You're talk about a jerk. Me. Yeah, that's totally normal. Yeah, it is totally normal. That was an obese teacher. I don't make the obese point to be cruel, but it's important. A grossly obese teacher. You can't see it, obviously. It's it's radio in case you in case I didn't know. And she's screaming at a kid who's about 14 years of age, who's sitting with his back against a wall in a classroom that's empty, minding his own business. And this obese woman is screaming abuse at him because his mask isn't over his face. He's vaccinated, apparently, the kid. God love him, by the way. She's screaming at him and calling him a jerk. I don't um, guess that she'd get away with it if it was your child, would she, dear listener? Anyway. Normal. So why don't we know what's going on in classrooms? Well, again, last night we suggested, what's the answer? Why shouldn't we? And not surprising, a lot of people were very offended by this. You don't have a right to know. Shut up and send your kids. Don't ask questions about what they're learning about, what kind of people they're becoming. <laughs> 
So he, he brings a guy on called Matt Walsh from the Matt Walsh Show who's following this. Cameras in classrooms. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, the, the, I have to admit that the reform I would prefer for the, the public school system is to just destroy it, you know, reform it with a wrecking ball. I don't think yeah. it should exist at all. But if it's going to exist, then it's, it's, it makes total sense that obviously we should want to know what our kids are being taught when they're, they're in these government buildings. Maybe I think there are a lot of parents who don't want to confront or acknowledge what exactly they're doing when they send their kid to public school. You're sending them to a government building for seven hours a day, five days a week, nine months a year for 12 years. That's what's happening. You should want to know what is going on, what's, what's going on inside that building when they're there all that time. Now, there, I think there's, there's, the, there's the reason, there's the real reason why the left doesn't want this, and then there's the reason that they give us, which of course oftentimes are two different things. The reason they give us is that it's all, well, it's a, it's a privacy concern, or it's, a free, it's even a free speech concern. But first of all, um, teachers as government employees, in their capacity as government employees working with kids, they, they shouldn't get privacy or free speech any more than I want. They shouldn't get privacy or free speech, says this guy about teachers. That's interesting. Capacity as government employees working with kids, they, they shouldn't get privacy or free speech any more than I want, you know, a bank teller. If I'm making a, a deposit of a lot of cash, I don't want them to turn the cameras off and go into a back room and say, oh, I need some privacy while I do this. No, we, we, don't want, we don't want privacy in your capacity handling money. Uh, you send your dog to a dog border. They've got webcams now so you can check in anytime. Uh, so why wouldn't we want that kind of oversight with kids? And I think the real reason, aside from the reason they give us, the real reason is that they just, they don't want us to know what goes on inside that building. Well, but they don't think, as you said, we have a right to know. Mm. Well, of course you have a right to know what, what, what your child is being told by... By the child's teacher, I think nobody would dispute that. But putting cameras in classrooms, I don't know. I think paedophiles would love that. Just one group I can think of. I think there are a million corporations on planet Earth who'd love to, 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 to drop in and have a look at what children are doing and what they're getting up to. I don't know. Maybe the children have privacy, maybe. Maybe, or should have privacy. Interesting one, that. No doubt they're being taught and are being subjected to things that really... Children have no business hearing about until they get considerably older. I would agree with that. But putting cameras in there? What do you think? Would you, would you like having access to an app where you could just check in on your child's lesson, would you? Do you think it would be worth it? Right, let me know. I don't have a, a child or children. I'd like to get your opinion. BBG Richie is the Twitter thing. Or you can drop me a message through the website. Carol was in touch on the email. Richie, 35 COVID-related deaths in the UK today. Okay, says Carol, but also publish the daily cancer deaths, the suicide deaths, etc, etc. Let's give the public some balance, says Carol. You're right. And some journalists, some mainstream journalists, were, at the very beginning, asking for that. You know, asking for the comparison. But then they were maybe, presumably told to shut up about it, and they dropped their protestations about the um, the daily death numbers. The daily death numbers, of course, as you well know, Carol, I don't have to tell you, were, was a thing to basically drive, to, to scare the living bejesus out of people. That's why they did it, day in, day out. You know, knowing that people would, would become mortally afraid of this infection and would fear, would, 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 would fear getting it and fear passing it on. You know, people have seen enough films over the years about infections and viruses. We've had several of them, big films, Contagion being one, Outbreak being another. 
conditioned over the years to fearing a plague, bubonic plague type thing, you know, SARS-CoV-2, SARS-CoV-1, you know, uh, uh, bat flu, uh, uh, avian flu, all of this stuff that went on over the years, foot and mouth disease, all of these things were kind of priming people. We've been primed over about 20 years, psychologically primed, without even realising it, to fear infection. We didn't realise it. And then they bring out this rubbish last year, this COVID bollocks. And maybe some people, maybe, maybe now looking back, maybe can't understand why they were so terrified of it. I told you a story, and, and it was absolute, I wouldn't tell you if it didn't happen. But way back in late March or even early April last year, I nearly came to blows with a guy in, 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 in Buell Hill Park in Salford. Because my then, or she, she's not mine, she's, she's, she's my partner's, um, to, to be honest about it. But our golden retriever was very young then and was a messer, was a nightmare. Would, would run up to people and jump on them. And you can imagine, early April, it's mucky and messy and you don't want your dog getting muddy paw prints all over somebody. And I, she jumped all over a bloke and I went to extricate the dog from the bloke and the bloke jumped back and very rudely and very loudly told me to stay fucking back. So I'm just taking the dog away from you. I don't want her to get, you know, dirty you, to, to spoil your clothes with her paws. That's all I'm doing. I said, calm down. There's no, no need for the uh, aggression. The guy got even more aggressive. Stay back. You're not watching the telly. Do you not know what's going on? So uh, I gave him a volley of abuse then because I was at my own wit's end with, even back then, I told him where to go and we made her, we beat a retreat. But later on I was thinking, the guy was terrified terrified. And then a few weeks after that, I was in a record shop. Maskless, obviously. I won't wear a mask. So you're probably talking, I don't know, May, June, maybe a bit later. I don't know. Guy in the shop says, would you put a mask on? I said, no, I won't. Guy started swearing at me. A real idiot now, older, didn't look very well, didn't look like he could handle himself. And I told him, keep swearing at me and I'm going to put you down hard and you won't come up. Luckily enough there, Shop owner who was a good friend, intervened. But he was terrified, the guy, and later on I felt a bit guilty about threatening to put him down, because I wouldn't really have put him down. I'm not a violent thug, I wouldn't have done that. But uh, later on I was thinking, he was terrified, the guy. Petrified that I was in the same space as him, occupying the same airspace. And I wasn't masked, so therefore I was a bioweapon, potentially. It's no joke. Tis snow joke. <laughs> It's terrified people. Right, we're going to move right on because I have a guest standing by in Texas and it's time we got her on. It's four minutes past six. It's the Richie Allen Show for Thursday, the 8th of July, 2021. 24 degrees in Salford, which is warm for this part of the world. And this is Elbow, Guy Garvey from Bury from Berry, which is just up the road, one day like this. Drinking in the morning. Yeah, Guy Garvey lived, uh, well, was born and bred just up the road in Berry in Greater Manchester. Is that his elbow? One day like this, it's coming up for six, uh, it isn't, it's uh, coming up for nine minutes past the hour, six o'clock here in Salford in the northwest of the UK. Thanks for being with me this afternoon. 
And uh, it's great, it's great to, to meet our guest this hour. She's a naturopathic physician of nearly 40 years experience. She's held clinical practices in Texas and in Florida. Uh, she's a quantum practitioner as well, uh, working with natural remedies uh, such as herbs and homeopathy, has had her own television programme and has led dozens of workshops all over the US. Delighted to welcome to the show, all the way from Texas, Dr. Jessie Keener. Jesse, welcome to the programme. How are you? I am doing fantastic and thanks so much. Not at all, thank you. You're, you're doing me a big favour. I'm delighted to meet you. Before we talk C-word stuff and all the, the madness that we're experiencing... I'd like to, to ask you for your take on, because I know that like, like, like other doctors um, with integrity, like yourself, I know that you've been heavily censored by social media. What do you make of your former president launching a class action lawsuit against Twitter and Facebook, amongst others? It sounds good, tentatively. What do you make of it, Jesse? Well, first of all, I say it's about effing time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and secondly, I'm all for it. And I think there are millions, probably at least 100 million Americans that are all for it. So I, I think he had to wait till he had enough ducks in a row so he could go for the win because Mr. Trump does not enjoy a lose. No, he doesn't. So I'm, I'm ecstatic. Really good, isn't it? And over the years, be, being a, a journalist and a producer over the years, I've learned a little bit about class actions. Now, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand that in a class action, the person who files, so that's former President Donald Trump, um, he, so he's, he's the plaintiff. Other plaintiffs then, and there presumably might be hundreds of thousands who might join the class action, they will have to basically go along with um, Mr. Trump's lawsuit. And eventually they might appoint a steering committee to manage all of these cases. So anybody really, uh, Jesse, can, can join in and say, listen, my First Amendment rights were infringed by Facebook or Twitter. And they can join with the president. This might become massive. And it will. Mr. Trump does not like to do things on a small base. He, he really enjoys the bigger, the better. So this will become massive. This is just the this is, I think, uh, and, and it's backed by fact, this is one of several very important lawsuits that have been initiated. That's a, that's a major one. Richie, we're going to be very excited down the road. It's going to take time. These wheels of justice will move slowly, but we're all going to be very satisfied because it, it will that will win. And, it, and yeah. it needs to win. I've been censored for the past 40 years straight. Yeah. I've been in jail time in all kinds of ways just for having fact-based, science-based, truthful information for the public. How horrifying is that for you as a physician? You know, you put I, something I have to out be there. honest. Yeah. It, it is horrifying and I'm used to it, which is pathetic to actually be used to chronic censorship. But I learned about all of this so long ago and learned how things like the AMA, our American Medical Association, was founded and who put the money up to found it and what their actual mission was. You know, I learned that 40 years ago as a student of well-being from my mentor who ended up solving a very difficult series of medical problems that I had. And she just calmly said, look, the whole thing's rigged. You can go to my file cabinets, open them up. Here's some topics. Let's start here with how the AMA was founded. Let's keep going. I ended up working with this woman for two and a half years as her office manager, and she would take trips to Europe to study homeopathy. And I would just sit there and read her files. 
And I learned about, as a very young adult, I was 25 at this point, I learned about things like censorship. I learned about the weaponization of water with fluoride. I learned about chlorine being a cancer-causing agent. I learned about silver fillings in the teeth, leaching mercury chronically into the body. And I learned all these things as a very young adult. So I'm probably the calmest censored person you'll ever <laughs> interview. <laughs> you're, 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 but that doesn't uh, yeah. mean I've lost my passion. Fantastic. No, you haven't. No, no, you're mature. Not, I don't mean an age now. Good God, no. But you've got a mature attitude to it. Lovely what you just said there. You, you talked about mercury fillings. You talked about fluoride in the water. And I, I've been lucky over the years to meet physicians like yourself and others who showed me, and I used to be very robust with these people. You know, I would argue with them and, and I would push them to prove the things they were claiming. But they were right and you were right. These, these, um, many of the illnesses we have are because of these things, mercury and fluoride and other things. And of course, big pharma uh, come up with uh, medication, which is often, of, very often harmful. But it just kind of, little by little, manages or appears to manage these uh, symptoms, these problems, but not really doing it. They make billions and billions and billions and the root cause of the problem never gets addressed. So you're saying then this person was very important to you, Jesse, in showing you that medicine doesn't treat, excuse me, treat the root cause. It doesn't. It just makes a lot of fat cats very, very wealthy. And in fact, it was never designed to treat the root cause. And in fact, the physicians that were treating the root cause were naturopaths. And Mr. Rockefeller made sure when he funded the AMA that he funded a portion of that to go and eradicate and jail and shut down the natural physicians who were addressing things at the source. Yeah. So we have a pretty evil initiation into what's accepted globally as modern medicine. Brilliant. I don't know if you're aware of this, we won't get into it, but I've been speaking to general practitioners on this programme, and I know you won't be aware of that, you've got more to do than listen to me, but in the UK, the, 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 the authority in this country, the, the medical authority, is going after qualified general practitioners because they won't prescribe certain medicines, because they're encouraging their patients to deal with their problems using natural solutions. I don't know if you're aware of that, but doctors are under yes. serious pressure here. It's, that astonishes me that they would interfere Well, like that's that. okay because at least they're going after them but not offing them. In this country, they just get suicided, literally. They just get offed. Do you have anybody in mind now? Because I'm, I'm thinking of... Oh, absolutely. Nic Nicholas Gonzalez is one of my mentors yeah. who had cures for cancer starting in the late 80s and all through the 90s. And uh, he was he was clearly uh, not dying of natural causes when he was discovered dead. And this off. is a chronic thing that's been going on in our country for years now. Of course, it's never going to get covered in mainstream media. But we have we have activists that are you know hiding out because they've been outspoken about how many holistic physicians in America have been killed because they are using things that work instead of using what AMA medicine says to do. Yeah, and I used to interview a lady called uh, Brandy Vaughan over the years. I, she used to come on with me. And Brandy died this year, didn't she? And I understand that. Yes. She, I understand in very mysterious circumstances. Brandy worked for for Merck. Oh no, I believe this. I've spoken to a gentleman who was a mercenary. Genuine, everybody knew him, knew his name. 
and he said to me, Richie, big pharma companies, the companies themselves have been bumping people off for decades. It's an open secret, really, amongst ex-servicemen and women, ex-forces, ex-Green Berets. This is what they do. They bump off people. It's, 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 uh, it's important to be talking about this right now. We've uh, got on the line from Texas today, Dr. Jesse Keener. Jesse, before we talk um, coronavirus, I've been looking through your Twitter and uh, you can talk about anything. You're brilliant. So I wanted to ask you about this before we talk about coronavirus and, and ivermectin and all the things that are going on, the things that are not happening, which should be happening. Um, some very strange things are being taught to children in schools, not just in the US, but in the UK as well. And Tucker Carlson from Fox News, I like Tucker's programme. I don't agree with everything he says, but I like him. He's advocating that school, the classrooms in America are kitted out with um, CCTV cameras that the parents can access because parents are very worried about the things the children are being exposed to. Now, I know you are a mum yourself, or a mom, as you say over there. Um, what, <laughs> what do you reckon to that suggestion, putting uh, cameras in the classrooms? Well, I think it's tragic that it's gotten to this point, but I don't see any other way. We, we've got a very serious situation where children are being brainwashed left and right, and, and they're open books. I raised three children very consciously. They're sponges. And we know through all of the literature out there about brainwashing, if you just repeat something enough, it becomes gospel. So I don't see how else to do it. Now, that's a whole can of worms because we've got a whole lot of other issues with the educational system. Yeah. I'm not aware of Great Britain's payment schedule for teachers. In America, it's right next to sanitation engineer or a garbage collector. It is the, the worst payment for one of the most important jobs. So that's a, that's probably a whole nother discussion, Richie. But I do think that we have to do something. We have to do it swiftly because we're, we're all watching teachers on their social media saying, I'll teach it sneakily. I'll teach it when they're not paying it. To, I'll teach it anyway. So yeah. what else are we going to do? We, we can't We can't trust this system of education right now. It is not healthy. Brilliant. Uh, thanks for that. Emma just tweeted me a link to... The, a couple of papers about the Rockefeller takeover of medicine and the attempt to destroy natural medicine. Thanks, Emma. I've just retweeted that. Uh, Jesse, by the way, Dr. Jesse Keener is on Twitter and you, you can't miss her really because it's at DR Jesse Keener. So find her and follow her uh, there. Yeah, by the way, you're right. In the UK, teachers are not very well paid. They're, they're better paid now here than they are in the US, but not for the hours they do. Um, not not nearly as well as as they should be. Um, we 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 we've been told here in the UK that from July nineteenth, all restrictions are going to be lifted, that we can get on with the rest of our lives. But I don't believe it, Jesse. I don't believe it for a minute. I, I believe that um, they won't rest until every single one of us, every man, woman, and child is jabbed by um one of these jabs whichever it is Johnson and Johnson Moderna uh, Pfizer or or AstraZeneca now i understand that in some states and you're in Texas the things are a little brighter than they are over here you've got some governors over there generally republican governors that seem to be pushing back against some of the dystopian stuff you know the measures and the jabs give us uh, bring us up to speed what's going on there and you can speak about texas of course jesse 
Yeah. Well, Texas and Florida are definitely leading the way. I was in Florida in between my stance in Texas. So I've been in Texas now for 42 years. And there's no doubt that Governor Abbott has some pretty large cojones and he's putting them on the table. So we have been unmasked and opened up. I wouldn't say things are fully opened up. They're, they're still doing some limited seatings and encouraging more outdoor seating. I'm seeing probably a third to a fourth of the population still wearing masks in Texas, yeah. which, of course, is tragic. But but again, like you were saying earlier on your show this afternoon, people are terrified. They, they, they have bought it. They have drank the Kool-Aid and they are terrified of this life threatening thing. So I get it. I have compassion for them. The wonderful news is in the last 60 days, I have not been stopped from going into a shop and I have not been asked to put on a mask. So for 60 days, I've been germ-free, breathing easily. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Uh, They're pushing hard for vaccinations here, just like they are everywhere. I think that does speak to the power. And when I use the word power, I really meant the word force. I think power is something very different. Power is God-given. Force is man and woman created. The force of big pharma is massive. What they're not counting on are the lines moving in the other direction. And I'm here today to represent some of that line, and you always represent that line, Richie. And the fact of the matter is, we've got a lot of people saying, heck no, hell no, and absolutely not. And if you have to carry me off in front of the witnesses, okay, so be it, but I'm not I'm not getting the shot. And for very good reason. And I can go on and on about now, before this, you do, before you do the dangers. Yeah, before you do, and we've loads of time because we're going to go to the top of the hour and you're going to take over. Before you do get into the dangers, lovely, lovely to hear about what Abbott is doing in Texas. Now, uh, President Joe Biden um, has mentioned, I believe at some stage, going door to door. So my next question for you was going to be, Thank God that there are so many people who do not want the jab and they know there's something wrong with these jabs because, again, they follow people like you. They maybe listen to programmes like this. How much pressure are they bringing on people to have the jab? Over here, people are very worried about not being able to socialise, not being able to get on a plane, not being able to go to, you know, go and see their elderly relatives. So I'm really interested in how much pressure at state and local level are they putting on people to have the jab? Well, here's the good news about the awful news. Yeah. <laughs> the great news is everyone's so effing confused about mask on, mouse off. What did Fauci say? What didn't he say? What's the who standing on this? What is the CD saying? If you're vaccinated, do you need the mask? Are you sure you need the mask? So I'd say the fact that chaos is reigning supreme around the mask is actually a good thing. Uh, so at this point, I'd say there's very little pressure. Governor Abbott will have the right to prevent the president's team from coming in door to door. And I guarantee you, Governor DeSantis will do the same thing. These are two states that are basically saying, oh, hell no, you don't. That's not what you get to do. You don't get to bring a scientific experiment to our borders, to our people, when, when we're not consenting. So uh, the good news is we'll be protected. The bad news is it's going to make the Biden administration look like, like the real losers that they are. But of course, that's part of this process we're in. That has to get revealed more and more and more so people continue to place their votes properly and we continue to push for elections that aren't fraudulent. Yeah. So sometimes chaos is a good thing, Richie. 
Yeah, I agree. Now on the jobs, we 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 get letters sent here regularly, or we get a we get a, a text message coming through. What sort of um, what sort of contact would you have gotten in Texas then, um, Jesse? Would 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 they be sending out letters inviting people for jobs? Haven't received anything like that, nor have I received a random, you know, state health department cell phone text or anything like that. So no personal reaching out that I can observe. Now, I am not a consumer of regular television, and I'm sure there are ads left and right on TV to go get your shot. Uh, and I'm sure they've morphed that into all kinds of guilt patterns. And you know, you're not really an American if you don't get your shot and all that good stuff, just like they're doing in Great Britain. But the great news is I have not seen any personal reaching out. Now, again, I'm not on Medicare. I'm not a Medicaid patient. Those systems may be targeting the American population very uh, aggressively, aggressively. And I just wouldn't know. Well done. Now, let's talk about the jobs themselves um, and the VAERS reporting system, which which Mm -hmm. anybody can look at it. And even if you allow for, you know, because I've read, you know, some of the the real pro-vaxxers, the real pro-COVID jobs, they're they're alleging that many of the injuries are just lies being told by anti-vaxxers. This is nonsense. But even if you allow for a little bit of that, of people making mischief, the fact is, there is evidence that these jabs are doing serious harm. How much harm? Extreme harm, because we're just talking about the immediate statistics. The worst nightmare for all of the more holistic physicians such as me is this. What happens in six months, 18 months, three years to these bodies? That's where the real alarm factor is. If we're seeing this much adversity and these many deaths, from just this handful of experimental shots, what's gonna be happening as their livers fill up with protein spikes, as their heart muscles fill, you see what I'm saying? This is gonna be a slow crawl to imminent death for a lot of bodies. And I can't help but thinking that was part of the plan. If we could make it seem like just a small percentage is, is getting killed off quickly, and a lot of them might've had other health issues, or there's some random deaths that raise some eyebrows, but a lot of the deaths and diseases happen slowly over time. Well, we're dealing with declining health populations anyway. We're dealing with the Western culture where people microwave garbage and call it food. So this is a perfect culling mechanism. And this is, this is a real issue. These jabs aren't actually vaccination. So I'm a wordsmith. I took tons of Latin in high school, not even knowing I was gonna go to med school. A vaccination by definition says, we will immunize that body against a specific disease. None of these jabs perform that duty. So if I wanted to head up the powers that are flushing humanity, purging, and if I wanted to do a great job, the last thing I would have called these shots would be vaccinations because they provide no immunity whatsoever. These are scientific therapeutics intended to minimize the protein spiking that occurs in a peak COVID crisis. So what did I just say? This is a shot designed to cope with and hopefully minimize a side effect of acute COVID. Therefore, it will never slow a spread. It'll never flatten a curve. 
And that's not a bad thing, by the way, because curves flatten automatically over time. All the great scientists know this. We've never actually needed any vaccination for any disease, but that's another show for another time. These are serious bioweapons. They're not going to quit as long as that human is alive. They're not going to quit making protein spikes. And an autopsy has been done of the first COVID patient who died from the jabs, and they found those protein spikes saturating every organ of his body. So this is, this is not what we were sold. It's not an immunization. It does not immunize against any virus. No, it doesn't. Can so, I ask you this, Jesse? The, the person who died after the jab, you said they found the spike proteins uh, present in the body. Has anybody reported on that? Is there any, anywhere I could get that to people via a link or something? I don't have a link right now. I'll be looking for it. Sherry Tenpenny, and Sherry is a, S-H-E-R-R-I, and then Tenpenny, just like you'd think. Yeah. Uh, she is amazing. Uh, her her website, V-A-X-X-T-E-R.com. You can get on her free mailing list. You can listen to her podcast. Uh, she daily reports on the VAERS data. Yeah, she's and she great. also has um, a program coming up that you can register for free on Saturday where you can have all your questions answered about these spike protein related incidences, the blood clots, the, the women spontaneously miscarrying and all of that stuff in her show. She is one of my heroes and she's still alive, Richie. I know. She's a great pal. She's, I've, I've known Sherry since my days in Spain back in mm-hmm. 2009. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get on to her because and, and, cause I, I, I believe what, what you're telling me about the spike proteins. Listen, I've had Dolores Cahill explain this. You know, mm-hmm. she understands it properly, her, her field of, her, her area of expertise. So yeah, because I'd like to show that to people. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you, as well as sharing it with my audience, I'd really like to share it with people I know back home, you know, friends and family yes. who might be thinking about getting one of these jabs. So it's very important to do that. Dr. Jesse Keener is our guest. And Jesse, the important thing for you is just to go back 20 or 30 seconds. It's that exposure to new and maybe relatively harm, harmless infections in the future could be catastrophic for people. With the, with the- Absolutely, because modern medicine has trained people away from proper self-care and basic physical, biological health. I'm going to give you a great example, and you probably saw some of my tweets about this. Yeah. If we, if we look at COVID as a great example, what are people actually dying from that supposedly are diagnosed with COVID-19? They can't breathe. Their lungs are full of these protein spikes, and they cannot oxygenate. So what are the two therapeutics prescription drugs that the FDA vehemently and violently forbade our American doctors from prescribing? They were ivermectin. Now, let's talk about ivermectin. It's an anti-parasitic. That's what it is. It's used used all over the world. It's been used for decades. It's an anti-parasitic. Hold that thought. Because the other prescription drug readily available that in America physicians were prohibited from using is hydroxychloroquinone. Guess what that is? Another antiparasitic. So here's what Jesse Keener knows about the average body's lung system in any modern culture. They're full of parasites. 
And the most common ones that they're full of, which are hookworms and tapeworms, gestate in the lung system. This is gross, but completely fact-based. When they hatch, they immediately start spewing ammonia. The lung tissue starts to inflame. It starts creating massive mucus, and the body has some respiratory symptoms. It It could look like an allergy attack. It could look like an asthma attack. It could just be a little wheezing. But this going on year in, year out, decade after decade, you get to be 30, you've got some chronic lung issues that aren't going to show up on an x-ray, but in pops a sneaky little virus, and you're already full of lung inflammation that nobody detects in AMA at all, you're going to have issues. But it could have been a rhinovirus. It could have been almost any virus that creates a respiratory reaction. So what am I really saying? I'm saying the average modern human is walking around so full of parasites that their systems are going haywire, their brain is filling up with ammonia, and that's just level one. Level two is since 9-11 globally, we've been a massive post-traumatic stress disorder as a humanity. And biologically, that means that our stress hormone is way too high most of the time. And the leading cause of dementia, according to science, not AMA, peer-reviewed Nobel-winning science, is elevated cortisol for prolonged periods of time. So we have a perfect storm. We have an AMA that doesn't address causes of things. And then we've got brains literally going into early states of dementia in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. We have the perfect way of keeping everyone confused, everyone in chaos, and everyone with permanent conditions. And that's where we are today. Can can I ask you about these these parasites, these tapeworms? How would would, would somebody become infested? if, If infested is a bad word, how would you ingest a parasite? Typically. Okay, so the this is why it's so sneaky and so bizarre. The eggs of tapeworms and hookworms go airborne. They're microscopic. You can't see them. They can last for up to six months on furniture, carpet, upholstery, a drape, waiting for someone to come by, puff up that piece of couch, yeah. bounce those molecules into the air that we can't see, and someone or some dog or cat breathes in. Now, We're too healthy, Richie, you and I, to tend to grow six-foot-long tapeworms. Mostly, we're going to have a repetitive cycle of eggs being laid in our gut, the eggs traveling through the blood, perching into our system, hatching out, causing minor disruptions. But this is going to be happening over and over, about twice a month, because they tend to be most active with their hatches at the new moon and the full moon. So the problem is everyone's spreading them everywhere all the time. So the real savvy people in my field know that. And we teach our clientele to purge parasites twice a month for five nights each at every new moon and every full moon. And if you feel like you've picked something up in between, go ahead and do it then too. But no less than twice a month to keep your respiratory system healthy, to keep your colon healthy, and to keep your brain healthy. Because a lot of the symptoms parasites create are brain symptoms. The ammonia penetrates the blood-brain barrier and crashes our serotonin. And then we want sugars, carbs, beer, ale, wine, anything with sugars for those parasites. So they tell us what to eat 
by dropping our serotonin. It's fascinating. They're geared towards survival and we're helping them because we don't treat. We don't. And it, it, does, does, does that sometimes lead to cancer then, this, uh, this elevated in, in, ingestion Inevitably of sugar? and invariably, it yeah. Does. There's a great book out there for your avid uh, health freaks by uh, Hilda Clark, Clark with an E on the end, called The Cure for All Disease. And she nails it to the wall on the parasites. Also talks about the parasitic yeast fungus, which is pretty much an offshoot of all the antibiotics, steroids, birth control pills that AMA shoves down the the modern world's world's throats. Uh, And that's yet another critter on another level, but it excretes formaldehyde, which also causes cancer. So it's not in the AMA's best interest to properly diagnose nose tapeworms and hookworms because they generate so many diseases the other problem is and it's a real challenge is that they use stool tests to identify these creatures but stool tests are notoriously unreliable you have to catch it at the right time of the month your smear has to have an adult on it (laughs) and if that's not the case then the doctor makes a very tragic conclusion This patient is negative for parasites and nothing is further from the truth, but the test didn't show it. Therefore, the conclusion is erroneously drawn. So it's a giant mess. It it sounds it. And I, somebody came on this program a couple of years ago, somebody with your qualifications and touched on this, but only briefly. This is the first time that anybody has gotten into it in any depth. Dr. Jesse Keener is our guest live from Texas. So the gut really... Um, the gut is the key, is it? The gut. I know. I know you talked about the lungs with these parasites, but the gut really is the answer to everything, is it? In terms of looking after yourself. I, I think it's two things. I think it's the gut, and I also think it's this elevated cortisol issue, which inflames the gut and destroys yeah. the brain. This is really so I, important. I, I think it's really two things concurrently. We've caught we've caught up a lot about the gut. Like the gut is, we're coming a long way there fast. I think we are tragically behind on the cortisol conversation. And when I look into my field and look to my peers, I can see that very few are placing enough importance on how long it takes to rehabilitate a body when it's had this level of post-traumatic stress disorder going on for decades. It it doesn't get fixed in six months. No, I'm hooked, Jesse. It's a chicken in the egg. I am hooked on this, on, on listening to you talk about this, because I have wondered aloud... I worked September the 11th. I worked for a very big radio station and we effectively called what we were seeing on television for our radio audience over a period of hours. And it was shortly after this that I began to see the world a bit differently. And it led me, to, I suppose, to where, where I am now, which is doing this type of radio programme. And I've wondered for years, what impact does the the never-ending fear-mongering by the media and by events that are staged, I've no doubt September the 11th was staged somehow, it wasn't how we were told it was, the 7th of July bombings in London in 2005, a complete false flag. And I've always wondered, what is the physiological effect on the population of these traumatic events? It must be affecting us somehow. And you're explaining it. it It is, big time. And the biggest way it affects us is we lose our short-term memory. It starts dropping out. And the physicians laugh if you are 40 or 40-something or, God forbid, 50-something. You say, you know, Doc, my memory's dropping out. They go, ha, you're 40. They think it's entertaining. 
It's not. It's a sign that your cortisol is literally inflaming your brain so much that it can't function properly. So there, there's, a, there's a whole other show we should probably do on cortisol at some point. But, but here's the deal. There's nothing in modern medicine that addresses this or fixes it. They don't even know how to properly test it. Yet, yet again, a, a lack of total discernment. And a lot of the more what some people would call new age practices are aimed toward this direction, but are, but are imminently not going to carry the day. What I did, I was working for a large nutraceutical company, Richie, when 9-11 occurred. And we had just come out with an in-home saliva check for cortisol and DHEA. And those of you out there that know health and adrenal function know that's a vital analysis. We had just come out with it. And if you flunked it, we had an adrenal regulating nutraceutical product that we would drop ship to your door along with your test results. After 9-11, we had zero normals ever again. They just nobody was normal. Whether they were 16 or 69, nobody was normal. And we realized we have a massive adrenal burnout, post-traumatic stress clinical problem in America because we were doing thousands and thousands of tests a month. Thousands you were doing. Thousands. thousands. And these thousands. people, these people, God love them, would would go to a GP or an or an MD who doesn't know what you know, God love them, and they would be given, well, presumably they would be given Valium. They would be given antidepressants, the usual story, yeah. and that, yeah. and of course, the terrible things that antidepressants do uh, to people. My mother was on antidepressants for some time. Eventually, weaned herself off of them, but dreadful stuff. And they don't know. Let me do a very quick summary. Uh, Doctor Jesse Keener is our guest, and Jesse's been talking about something that I heard a little bit about some years ago. It's a cutting edge field of, of medicine and research, really, talking about how we're living with parasites in our lungs, in our brains, in our, in our gut. And they don't always have to grow to big worms like big tapeworms, but they're there. You know, we expel some of them, but we live with some of them. But they do damage. They do damage to the, our tissue, our body tissue, particularly our lung tissue. And Jesse explained how how that might very well explain why, you know, some people were badly hit by the COVID-19 infection, even though the COVID-19 infection isn't the most deadly or the most uh, virulent virus that there has ever been. It's, it's largely on, um, it's, it's largely not serious for the vast majority of people, but it's there. She talked about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and why they are very, very, very effective at dealing with this. But of course, they've been banned and doctors have been struck off and have been terrorised for wanting to use these medicines. And we moved on. And this is great stuff, Jesse. We've moved on to talk about um, how, how stress um, plays a massive part in our well-being, our physical well-being, as much as our emotional well-being, and how events in recent times, in recent years, have been used to, uh, well, basically to keep the public, I suppose you could say, Jesse, in a permanent state of agitation and unease. Absolutely. And that makes the public extremely malleable. So that they'll believe whatever you want them to believe. Correct. A virus is so deadly, we need you to destroy your business and lock yourself into your home and ruin the economy. And rather than stand there, because these are not stupid people, we know that, rather than think, come on, give over. They, they're terrified, like the gentleman in the park who ran from me. Yes. I'm, I'm sure the guy's yeah. intelligent. I'm sure, he's, I'm sure the guy has got, you know, 
intelligence like me. I'm sure he can he, he can he can do mathematics and he might speak a foreign language. I'm sure the guy's okay. But he's been he's been manipulated for years into a state whereby he could be convinced that a respiratory infection is going to wipe out humanity. And here's what's even more fascinating. The way high levels of stress hormone, a.k.a. cortisol, function, besides starting to drop out short-term memory, it completely dismantles immune function. So all the forces behind the screen have to do is keep having terrifying event after terrifying event after terrifying event, which they are doing quite well, I might say. They're very consistent. So, So we really have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We have to really say, okay, And this is how I look at it, Richie. I I was that girl when they said, you'll never have children and we're going to send you to a shrink so you can learn how to live with that. I went home and said, they can't effing tell me what I'll never do. Don't tell me. I won't. So don't tell me I'm going to live in fear. I'm going to figure out through breath work, meditation, stretching, how to be in a relaxed state. I'm going to figure out how to not be in that wheel, the hamster in the wheel going around, what if, what if, what if. I'm going to learn to redirect. I'm going to listen to to music that makes me relax. I'm going to take charge of my stress level because I promise you, no matter what they roll out next, the game is keep people off center. Keep them stressed and agitated. That way their minds won't function well. That way they won't pull up and say, hey, wait a minute. Who's that guy behind the curtain pulling those levers? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we see it now here in the UK. He said the UK Prime Minister, look, July the 19th, it's irreversible. But it was supposed to have happened on June 23rd. That was supposed to be irreversible. And I can see how it's affecting people. I see the, I, you can see, can't you, Jesse, you can see the stress in people's faces, in their features. You can see it, how upset people are. And you've only got to throw a false flag terrorist attack into the mix now in the next two or three months. And, and who says they won't do something like that? And it'll oh, push I say people back. cue the alien invasion. This is interesting. Now, my great friend, Jim Mars, rest in peace, a great Texan, Jim Mars. And I know you know who Jim is or Jim was. God yes, I do. Oh, yeah. What a gentleman. Jim used to tell yeah. me, it's common, Richie, one of these days, and he had a great sense of humour, Jim. He said, one of these days, they are going to use a staged alien invasion to really terrify people. And you see that, Jesse. I, I would say that is the next step. Wow. And then my only question is going to be, you know, can can we blow up the uh, the fraudulent election in Arizona? Can we can we make a couple of things happen more quickly? Because once the, all that stuff starts popping, I think there'll be some very swift action. And I'm not going to go into the details in this show now, but we yeah. can always come back about that later. Yeah. But yeah, I do I do think they're going to cue an alien invasion. I did want to add one more thing that's juicy in before we went out of time, which is. I don't know if you know this, Richie. It's not about the alien evasion, by the way. But this is about being prohibited in this country from administrating medicants that we know will work for our patients, such as ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. And there are a thousand medical doctors in America who have come together and they have initiated a massive lawsuit against the CDC and the FDA for restricting their functions and allowing them 
to allow patients to die in their care. Yeah. It's a massive lawsuit. They have over 100 attorneys. They're very well funded. And this this will probably be a deal breaker, but you're not going to hear about it. No, That's you won't. Sure. That's the bloody I media. Sure I mentioned it. It's shocking, isn't it? And Godspeed yeah. to those doctors who were told not to prescribe ivermectin. Godspeed to them in their lawsuit. Let me ask you this before uh, we do run out of time. And of course, I'm, I'm glad that you're talking about coming back because I'll be having you back if you want okay, to come good. back. Dr. <laughs> Jesse Keener is going to be on the show again in the future, in the near future, I should say. Now, tell me this, right? Uh, there are listeners to this programme uh, and others who say, Richie, uh, I've heard doctors say, they, they talk about something something called germ theory. There are people who say that viruses don't exist and that viruses can't be transmitted. Now, Dr. Andrew Kaufman was on this program and we had a cordial exchange. It was it was good fun. And, and he, he, he he's um, a proponent of this theory. And I said, look, I'm a lay man. I don't know anything about medicine, uh, Andrew. But anytime there was anybody sneezing or coughing when I was growing up, if I was in the classroom... I ended up getting it as well. Um, so I, 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 I tend to believe that a virus can be airborne and can be passed from one person to another. Now, others don't believe it. What do you think? And I'm not going to argue with you because I just don't know. What do you think? I think the answer is yes to both. I think that there are... So remember I said that the eggs of parasites are microscopic and humans are breathing them out and giving them to their dogs as yeah. an example and, and vice versa. I do think that humans can spread viruses, but I'd like to be more fundamental. Healthy bodies don't get viruses. But what's our definition of health? That's the issue. Because when I say health, I mean an individual who's put their gut affairs in order. They're purging parasites twice a month. They're not eating commercial foods at all because they understand GMOs are a killer. So my definition of healthy is going to be very different than, say, the AMA's definition of healthy. So I haven't had a virus in 12 years. I had a virus, a nebulous virus. I felt it. I don't know where I got it. I took a homeopathic remedy for viruses. I cleared it in two hours, got on an airplane, went to New York City and partied all weekend and flew home and was fine. So so can we catch a virus? The answer is yes. Viruses only want certain environments. That's the key. Parasites carry loads of viruses. So parasites are usually the primary infection in human bodies. And then the viral infections and bacterial infections are secondary. So whether we sign up for germ theory or we don't, and I believe both, and I'm effective with both. (laughs) In other words, an unhealthy body cells will generate these things that we call viruses, but they're generating these things called viruses to create some kind of a healing attempt for the cell because the body is always attempting its healing. We were trained by modern medicine to look at every symptom as something wrong that the body's doing, and we must suppress the symptom. Now, did I ever catch a cold from being outside in the cold? I did, but let's look at that. If I'm outside in the cold and my stress hormone's a little high, my body thermostat won't regulate properly. My immune system is going to be compromised just from stress hormone being high. Like I'm out skiing and I'm a a hot dog skier and I'm chilled on the chairlift going up, but I had so much adrenaline, maybe my immune function wasn't working properly. Do you see right. what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's, you, yeah. it's not yeah. an either or. I think, yeah. I think the best way to embrace this is, yes, 
Both are real, and it begs the question, how do we define health for a human? We'll get into this again. We'll be in the future. I've loved having you on, Jesse. I can't believe you've not been on before. To be, I can't believe you didn't reach out and say, hey, why don't you bring me <laughs> I'm on? I'm too busy. <laughs> yeah, I know you've got plenty to do in your own life. Do you know, Richie, I've got to tell you something. In the entire year, so uh, I was in Mexico for five months last year. We got called out of Mexico because of COVID and the imminent lockdown. We got out just in time, came back. I was living at my mom's place. She was deceased, but I was cleaning up her place, getting ready to sell it. And I was on a, a talk show, a YouTube talk show, and I went on record, not thinking I'd be censored, for saying, I guarantee this COVID-19 is, is genetically engineered, and I guarantee the vaccination will be worse, and I guarantee this is all happening so there can be vaccinations, and I guarantee people will be sorry they got the shot. And that was just over a year ago. Nostradamus and over there. Nostradamus over I there in Texas. Work, yeah. And I said, yeah. nobody's going to get COVID in my practice. So I was very busy. And nobody in my practice got COVID. Nobody. We'll have to get so into that next time. So what did I do? Time. What did what you did do? do? What, what I, did you give them? I said, you're not eating any commercial foods, no commercial gluten, no commercial corn, because that stuff is glyphosated up the wazoo. And don't come back to me if you're eating that stuff. I'm not going to help you. So I had to take a bold stand. I said, you're on 10,000 IUs of vitamin D3 with K2, no ifs, ands, or buts daily. You're on six to 8,000 milligrams of vitamin C as powdered ascorbate, not the ascorbic acid, but ascorbate. You're on 50 milligrams of chelated zinc every day, no arguments. Yeah. <laughs> and you're eating a balanced diet. You're not microwaving your food. Your water is purified. And you're not going to rush out and get the vaccination that they're going to come out with because as soon as you get the jab, I've fired you as a patient because I know <laughs> it's, it's going no to good. be horrible. It's no good. Yeah, I love that. It's no good. Je Dr. Jesse Keener. You I can't, can't treat, treat it. People. This is the thing. I'd like to return to that in the future. Dr. Jesse Keener on Twitter. Is there somewhere else online, Jesse, that people can find you? Um, actually, no, because I value my life. <laughs> Fair enough. So I don't have a website anymore. I don't have a YouTube channel. That was pulled down. Um, I still am on Facebook under Jesse Keener. And I am definitely on Twitter at D-R-J-E-S-S-I-E-K-E-E-N-E-R. -E -E uh, except for when I'm in jail. <laughs> except for when you're censored for putting out a fact, yes. a, a historic <laughs> medical fact. a little too fact. close to home. <laughs> I know, it's dreadful stuff. Well, look, good luck to former President Donald Trump with that one. Jesse, I've loved having you on. I mean that. I'll, we'll stay in touch, Thank obviously. What, what are we now? We're, we're, we're July... August, I'll be on holiday mid-August. If we could pick this up again late August, I'd be, uh, well, I'd be very grateful. I'll be fresh from holiday as well, and I look forward to the opportunity, Richie. And thank you to all your listeners. And thank you, Jesse. Dr. Jesse Keener, live on the line from Texas this afternoon. Lovely to have Jesse on the programme. Very interesting lady indeed. We'll definitely pick it back up again with her later in, uh, in August, later in the summer. Yes, yeah, sometime in mid-August. I'm going to have a couple of weeks off sometime in mid-August. Uh, I leave it up to the oft-mentioned El Frago Tremendo. Uh, she's not self-employed. She's half self-employed. Works for a company, but kind of half works for herself as well. So she'll arrange holidays with them and I'll take whatever uh, she does in August. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you plenty of notice of that. Can I um, just... I meant to do this earlier on, but I ran out of time in the monologue segment of the programme, which went on forever today, didn't it? Because a guest um, that was supposed to be on with me in the first hour has cried off until next week. I, I don't, don't know if I have time to do this. And I don't know how good the sound is either. But I, I'll have a go anyway. I, 
I don't mind. Uh, lovely video that Mawinga sent to me today. That's Mawinga, one of my only black friends. My, my pal Mawinga. It's a lovely video of a young girl filming her grandmother. And she talks to her grandmother about the vaccine. Do you want to hear it? I hope you'll be able to hear Gran because she doesn't hold the phone very close to Gran. But uh, Gran is very eloquent, so you'll hear her, I think, if I turn it up loud. Very interesting conversation. Gran is probably in, I would say, 70s maybe, late 70s. Grandma, I got the vaccine. You done took it? Yeah. When? Last week. It was probably mandatory for you. Mm-mm. What you think about it? Mom, what is a vaccine? Well, no, I ain't taking that freaking poison. <laughs> I ain't taking that freaking poison. If you only knew. If you only well, knew, she said. You like freaking zombies in a year. <laughs> you ain't gonna take it. You ain't gonna it. be able to produce children. Ain't gonna be able to have a social life. No children, no social life. You ain't gonna be able to think for yourself. You're gonna be uh, <laughs> acting stupid and weird. You won't be able to think for yourself. You'll be acting stupid and weird. <laughs> There ain't no more kids gonna be born. No oh. more kids gonna be born, she says. I don't know why the granddaughter is laughing. Oh, Lord. Oh, Merely controlling you. What about you? You gonna get it? Hell no, I ain't gonna get it. <laughs> you know me. I am not gonna get that shot. Not gonna get that shot. It's all about controlling you, said Gran. It's a brilliant video, that. If uh, you can't find it on YouTube, it's on richieallen.co.uk. Massive thanks to uh, Dr. Jesse Keener, D-R Jesse Keener, all one word on Twitter. Follow Jesse, say hello to her. She's great. I'm going to love you and leave you. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll speak on Sunday morning. Sunday morning melodies is at 10 o'clock between 10 and noon, 10 a.m. and noon. I'll be playing a few tunes and having a chat with you. Thanks to all my guests this week and thanks to Mark Boyerski as well, by the way. If you want to take part, beautiful crystal, um, five euro, five pounds, support for the Richie Allen Show. You'll go into a draw, markboyerski.com. And a special shout out to my pal Peter Ebden this week as well. He's been very helpful as Peter with information about things yeah the Richie Allen shows a cast of thousands these days right you then yeah so uh, basking in the glory of England's win are you I'm not but I'm going to have a couple of cold beers now it's very warm outside it's boiling Uh, take care of yourselves and one another have a fantastic weekend Sunday morning melodies 10 o'clock to 12 noon with me the BBG the only place to listen to that is richieallen.co.uk check it out it's a bit of fun okay it's bye from me, bye from the BBG, bye. Do the house.